But if you're new, let me tell you what we've been doing uh, this summer during our ser- uh, sermon series. We're in the middle of a series on the Ten Commandments. And in Jewish tradition, the Ten Commandments are also known as the Ten Words. So the t- uh, title of the series is Ten Words because in Hebrew, word can stand for an entire sentence or a phrase. And basically, if you're asking the question, how is life intended to be lived? God's answer is distilled down into these ten words. So we want to give our attention to the fifth of the Ten Commandments, which we are looking at this morning. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1, 2, and 12. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father, we ask that you would uh, send your spirit here so that our eyes and our ears would be opened, our hearts would be softened. When we talk about family, uh, parents, um, our relationships, with each other. This is not an easy topic, but we pray that by your spirit, you would bring healing. You would bring encouragement. You would help us to know how to relate to one another in a way that is a blessing to us and also to our families. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, our goal for the series is pretty simple. My goal is to change the way you think about the Ten Commandments. And rather than seeing these as ten words, which are all about restrictions, things you shouldn't do, or something that's negative, what would it look like for us to be a people who actually love to be told what to do by God? I mean, that feels so far-fetched in a sense, because no one wants to be told what to do. But in a sense, to grow as someone who comes to know Jesus is to grow in this reality. It's a sign of spiritual maturity because you begin to understand something. That God gives us his word, his laws for our flourishing and for his glory. You know, uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, the British author and uh, intellectual, he wrote in his book, Orthodoxy, a little bit of a reflection on the law of the scriptures. And he said this. He says, the more I considered Christianity the more I found that while it had established the rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild. He said, yes, I understood there was law. And you know, the more I thought about it, the reason God gave this to us was to make room for good things to run wild in our lives. And this commandment is a part of this, honor your father and your mother, which sounds so simple and basic, but it is incredibly complex. And yet, the scriptures keep telling us, learning to do this is essential to our flourishing and to the flourishing of God's people. And it's pretty hard to do that if we're honest with ourselves. A lot of you are saying, well, I love this command because you have a really healthy and strong relationship with your parents. I have no problem with this. And thank God for that. And I mean that because really because 
that's not true of everyone in this room. That may not be true for most of us in this room, and here's what I mean. Many of our relationships with our parents are fraught with great difficulty and pain, are they not? And here's just a few that come to the top of my mind and just experience of being a pastor for many years. How are we supposed to honor someone who has hurt us or those we love? How do you honor your parents when you experience a lot of harsh words from them? Or maybe some emotional manipulation thrown in there. You know, they really know exactly how to push all the buttons in us, right? How do you honor your parents when they have never approved of the person you married? How do you honor your parents when they have disapproved of your career path? And maybe without verbalizing it, they made you feel like you were a disappointment. Or perhaps, even worse, they actually said it to you, that you are a disappointment. How do you honor your parents when you haven't spoken in years? And maybe in summary, how do you honor your parents when they have acted so dishonorably? This is why I say in many ways it's a simple command, but it's incredibly complicated. And if you read carefully the scriptures here, the Bible kind of acknowledges this. Because even a few verses earlier, in these Ten Commandments, the word Father only shows up one other time in verse 5. It's at the end of the third commandments. Uh, I'm sorry, the second commandment where he says in verse 5, visiting the iniquity, that is the sins of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. The Bible is saying what our experience kind of confirms, that the sins of our fathers and our mothers impact us. Not permanently, but inevitably. It has an impact on us. Yet in full view of this difficulty, to the third and to the fourth generation, a few verses later it says, Honor your father and your mother. So we have to ask, why is this here? Why is this here? Jesus was once asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing for a human being to know? And you know what he said in Matthew chapter 22? He said, you shall love your, love, excuse me, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength, which is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, Jesus here was saying all of life is about relationships. And what is most important in our lives are these relationships. And the love of God and the love of neighbor are inseparably linked together. Loving God and loving others. You can't do one without the other. That's what he was trying to say. And if you break down the Ten Commandments in the way that's been read traditionally, that is, the first four have to do with the love of God, and the last six have to do with the love of others, how significant is it that at the top of this list of loving others is the first commandment from this is, you shall honor your father and your mother when God knows how hard this can be. So again, we ask ourselves, why is this here? 
Now, did you notice uh, this command actually has a promise attached to it? Because what does it say in the second part of verse 12? That honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I mean, this is not a guarantee that if you honor your parents, you're going to be given long life. We know this because the most obedient son that ever lived, Jesus Christ, died at a young age, suffered death on the cross. So, but it is a statement that there is a blessing, some sort of reward if you learn to honor your parents. What is this about? You know, notice God is not above appealing to our self-interest here. He's saying there is something here. When you honor your parents, your life is going to go well. That your days will be long in the land. It's a figure of speech from kind of like a wisdom literature perspective, which speaks in general. Your life is going to be better. It's going to be peaceable. It's going to be blessed if you learn to honor your parents. Now, how so? How is, this, how is that the case? Because you know what? If you've spent time around children at all, okay, especially young children, we all know something. Honoring parents is not a natural, inborn thing of children. Because what comes naturally to us is not honoring anyone else, but we love to honor our wills, our own desires. And God gives us this command in order to train us, to train our wills, to teach us to respect authority, There's this long interpretive tradition where the fifth commandment trains us not only to honor our actual fathers and mothers, but to honor all those who are placed in authority over our lives. So if you're in elementary school and you have a school teacher, that person's in charge of you during the day, and you're supposed to honor them. For those of us who work, we have supervisors, employers, we're supposed to honor them. We have government officials that are placed over us for our care. We're supposed to honor them. We're supposed to honor those who are elderly. But you know what? We don't like to do this naturally. That's how we feel about the fifth commandment because no one wants to defer their wills. Isn't that not true? You know, one commentator said, youth today, they love luxury. They have bad manners. They have contempt for authority. They have no respect for older people. They talk nonsense when they should work. They contradict their parents. You know who said this? Socrates. (laughs) 2,500 years ago. I know you're all thinking someone's saying this about millennials, but that's not true here. He's been saying, what's wrong with this generation? People have been saying this all the time. You know why? People have been like this forever. And God is calling us to honor those places, those people placed in authority over our lives to train us, to humble us, which is of great value. And if you're a parent, think about this. One of the best gifts you can give your children is the comfort and the assurance that he or she is under loving authority. That you are actually drawing boundaries for them for good things to run wild. Going back to what G.K. Chesterton said. You know, some of you may be familiar with this psychology experiment from like 20 years ago. It came out of University of Iowa 
where they took a group of young preschool children and put them in a playground with their caregivers. And they went to a playground without a fence, and they wanted to observe the kids to see how far they'd go out. And they repeated the experiment where there was a fence around the playground. And here's what they found. When children were in a playground with a fence, they felt safer to play out toward the edges. When they were in a playground without the fence, because they were nervous about the street, how far they should go, they would stay closer to the middle and to all the caregivers. And they thought this was an interesting reality of the fence actually gave the freedom for the children to go out to understand how far they can go out. And in many ways, God's law functions in this way. It's like a fence that helps us to understand it is in these parameters we can grow. And part of those parameters are we are not the center. Like we have been created to live in relationship with others. We have to learn to value others above our own self-interest. Because when we grow up, that's actually one of the only important ways that we begin to understand this is how life works, you know? And if you're going to be content, love other people, to be joyful, peaceful, respectful, to know, hey, the world doesn't revolve around me. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give to your children. Because this is not only about simply honoring you as parents, but it's something more. It helps them to understand, to grow up, to honor the most important thing in their life, which is God. And to realize it is only God who can give us what our hearts desperately desire. Only God can give us that, right? But how will we ever learn this unless you begin to learn how to trust and obey who he is? See? Another reason why this commandment is here is because there is no relationship that forms us more than our parents. I think we all know that this is true. Take any developmental psychology class and they will tell you this, right? Your parents, your family play a pivotal role in a person's development. And here's the thing. We don't get to choose our families. We don't get to choose the family we are born into. Sometimes you might wish you could have made that choice. But here's what this means. As many mistakes as your family may have made, God has not made any mistakes with your family. This is the family God has given you. And this is primary means through which God actually intends to heal you. It's your family. It's through your family, God is going to mold you and actually transform you. Even if you've had a horrible, painful experience. Because you know why? God works most powerfully and precisely those places where we have been most wounded. And that is often our families. And this is where, if you let God break in, if you let him In these formative relationships, you're going to experience healing. You're going to experience growth. You're going to begin to see change in ways that you had not seen before. Because it is in our deepest failures and our deepest sorrows, God loves 
to meet us and minister to us. And it often becomes the place where we learn how to minister to others. Because in the comfort we receive, we learn to comfort others and to minister to others. See, God's purposes in our lives are inseparable from the families he has given us. It's, it's really this locus that he uses to love, to transform us. And God says all of this, honor your father and your mother in full view of how difficult this could be. So, how about we move on to what does it mean to honor your parents? All right, Iron, I get it. It's important. But did you notice the commandment does not say love your parents. It does not say trust your parents, okay, because some parents can't be trusted. It doesn't actually say admire your parents. It doesn't even say enjoy your parents, okay? And here, even obey your parents. It says so in other places, but not here. But it says honor, okay? And we have to ask, why does God choose this word deliberately? Honor is the most unsentimental moral nucleus, according to Lewis Smead, who's a theologian and who taught at Calvin Seminary. It really is not contingent on how you feel about someone, but it can be a constant in your relationship. Love, that's hard to do when you don't feel loving, right? All this other stuff, but honor, it is unsentimental. It is a moral nucleus that is not tied to how you feel, but it's a constant in our relationship. But this word honor is from the Hebrew word, which means to be weighty in your life, to make heavy. To honor something is to give it the weight it deserves. It has importance in your life. It's the same word used of the glory of God in the Old Testament. When we say there's the weight of God's glory, when you honor something, you are saying you matter. So when you honor your parents, you are telling them, you matter. You matter in my life. And interestingly, in Hebrew, the word to curse, it actually means to take lightly or to regard something as of little account. So you curse your parents when you say, you do not matter. You have no role in my life. You see? We curse God, not with just four-letter words, when we treat him as if he doesn't matter, you see? of little account. For better or for worse, your parents carry weight with you. And it may be baggage, but they carry weight. And we are to give them the honor, the weight they are due. That is honoring them, okay? Now, how do you do that? And I'm glad we have some children here because we have no Grace Kids Elementary. But if you are a child, listen up. And you knew this was coming, okay? The primary way you honor your parents is by what? Obeying them. You know what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1? Children, meaning little children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, aren't you glad we don't have grace kids today? Okay? You know how this works out? There's an old saying uh, that sometimes you'll learn in Sunday school, but I, I think it's pretty helpful. Here, here's a little way to remember what that actually means. 
Obey right away. Delayed obedience is not obedience. So if your parents tell you to do something and you're going to wait five hours, that's not really obedient. Okay? Obey right away, all the way, meaning if you only do half of what your parents are telling you, that's not obedience either because that's only partial. Obey right away and in a happy heart because your parents, they love you and you can trust them because they want to see you flourish, okay? So children, remember that. Obey right away, all the way, in a happy heart. Now, one of the most frightening things about parenting, so I'm going to talk to parents for a second, is you know you are forming your child, although we are imperfect parents, and we all are. And we struggle with this, and we second-guess ourselves. But let me ask you this. Do you think this is any different with God and us? He tells us, hey, here's what I think you need to do. Here are my ten words for you. And he's telling us, obey right away, all the way, in a happy heart, because our Heavenly Father is saying, I am for you. Will you just trust me? You know? You know, and the Ten Commandments, by the way, weren't really given just to children. It actually was given to adults first. This is not a sidebar for children. Of course, it's relevant for all ages, but it was initially directed toward adult children here. So let's talk about this for a second. How do we do this as adult children? How do we honor our parents? Let's give some thought to this. First, we honor them by giving them respect. Giving them respect even when we disagree, regardless of their limitations and their failings, precisely because they are parents, the parents that God gave us. And the way you do this is we show respect to them by the way we speak to them. We respect them by the way we speak about them and with our attitudes toward them. This is part of honoring. You know, how do we treat them? There is something that says you matter. And how are we communicating them, that to them? Another way is we respect them by acknowledging them. It means seeking their advice, listening to them, although you may disagree with them. And I know some of you are saying, well, Iron, you don't know my parents. My parents give terrible advice, okay? They are profoundly unwise people. Some of you are saying, my parents aren't even Christian, okay? How am I supposed to listen to them because everything they're telling me goes against my faith? Well, families are obviously important to God, but it should be said that Jesus is not advocating for some blind loyalty or obedience either. God, that's not what God is saying here. This is not about just following some traditional family value thing. Jesus actually goes as far as to say to expect our faithfulness to him, that is honoring Christ, will create strife and conflict in our families. You know what he said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. 
Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is saying, yes, honor your parents, but never at the expense of the one who tells you to honor your parents. And Jesus expects that honoring him will sometimes create strife in your family. You know, and I've seen this so many times as a pastor over the years, especially as I've counseled couples who are looking to get married. And oftentimes or sometimes you see parents saying they're opposed to the marriage for a variety of reasons. One of the most painful ones I've seen were uh, there was a, a family who was against their child marrying someone of another race, ethnicity, although they were both followers of Christ. And we know from the scriptures that these things are very, the kinds of divisions in our society Jesus actually came to tear down. The scriptures tell us we are one in Christ. The cultural norms that have privileged one race or one class over another, Jesus says these are not marks of my kingdom. They will not mark the characteristics of my people. So honoring your parents, respecting them, but you do this never at the expense of the one who commands you to honor him. But even when you disagree, you do this respectfully. Honor them by respecting them and acknowledge them. Get it? Another way you can honor your parents is to acknowledge their need to see themselves in you. This is something I learned as I got older, became a dad myself. My daughter's in college now, but I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten. And at her school, they had a student of the month award for each grade. And after one month of kindergarten, her teacher informed me, Charlotte was student of the month for September. It's kindergarten, you guys. You know, like, you know, I was so proud, but still, it was kindergarten. Come on. But why did it feel so good to me? Because it reflects positively on me. My child is reflecting to the world what her parents are like, you know? And I, I begin to understand something. My reputation and joy are actually tied together with her, whether she likes it or not, you know? It's one of those mysterious things about the way God has formed our families. And until you realize this, you begin to realize, I'm just not separated. No, our, we are all intertwined. And the, one of the ways I can bless my parents is to help them see themselves in me. Even when you disagree with them, even though things have been hard, to be able to tell them, hey, you have been an incredible influence in my life in this way. I appreciate it. Here's the one thing that you taught me that has really shaped me. I got this from you. And this is one of the ways we begin to honor our parents. To find those things and to say, you've done this. This is a way that you have played a pivotal role in my life. And God has used you to shape me. You know, years ago, my wife and I went to... um, a comedy show by Billy Crystal. I don't even know if all of you know who he is. 
It was called 700 Sundays. He was on the road doing this comedy show in San Francisco, and we went. And the title comes from the fact that he's remembering his father who passed away recently, and he calculated he had about 700 Sundays with his father. And it was a tribute to him and to his family and all the ways that had shaped him. It was, it was hilarious. It was kind of fun. It was also pretty profound. But it was his way of saying, here are the ways that you have shaped me through this comedy show. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. And even if you have strained relationships with your families, isn't that something you can do to let your parents know, hey, you have blessed me in this way. Those are words of healing. Another way, honor them by providing for their needs, meeting their needs. You know, I just came back from a family wedding where my sisters and my mom, my mom has been widowed a very long time, it was the first time we've been together in five years because of the pandemic. And flying home, I was thinking, oh, gosh, I'm a terrible son. My mom lives on the East Coast in New York where I grew up. She's on her own. And I've been thinking about what is most meaningful to her that I can do from this side of the country. And I know what my mom wants and would love is actually for me to call more often than I do. It's not that big a deal. But this is the one thing she can't get from her friends, you know, from her church, from her, her, her time walking out with anyone else. She just wants a touch point, you know. And I know when I call, I'm going to get, um, are you eating enough? Are you, are you working too? You know, all the things you get from moms. Beautiful stuff, right? Or what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing because I'm still her son, but here's one of the ways I can honor her. She did, she's like, I don't, I don't need you to send me anything. I just want to hear from you. That's one of the ways we honor. You know, for others of you, it may be a financial help. And I had this guy in my church years ago. He offered this up to me. He said, you know, Pastor Iron, I'd, I'd love to actually support our church more in its ministry. But one of the things I'm doing is because my parents, you know, their business failed and they lost everything. And he was explaining to me how he was not only paying for his mortgage for his house, but he felt like it was up to him and his wife to care for his parents and to pay for their mortgage. I was like, mind blown. You're doing what? You know, and, but for him, this verse from 1 Timothy 5 rang true. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And he says, you know, my parents live nearby. What they need most from me is financial help. I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, you know, but in that situation, he was saying, this is the way my parents need to be honored, have their needs met. And maybe the last one, and I'll finish with this one. It's a big one. We honor our parents actually by forgiving them. By forgiving them. You know, Robert Penn Warren wrote a book called All the King's Men in the Last Century. You know, and there's a great line in that novel. Like, it, it hits you in the face when you're reading it. And it goes like this. The truth always kills the father. The truth always kills the father. 
And he's saying, if you wait long enough, dig deep enough, there will always be in a, some disillusionment with your father, with your parents. They will let you down. And we all need to learn, because that is true of every single one of us. We need to learn to forgive us. Because if you don't, your parents still hold influence and power over your life, and it persists. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're not living in their house anymore, because they still have power over you until you learn how to forgive them. And forgiveness always has these two parts, the naming of the offense and the releasing of it. But both of those take great work. But until you're able to forgive, you're going to be captive. This is the same patterns that you've lived under. Because you will be spending your life seeking the things your parents never gave you, you know? If it was your parents' conditional love that you always had, you always wanted something to say, I have to prove myself. You're going to spend your whole life performing, trying to prove that you're a worthy human being. If your parents were emotionally distant, you know what you're going to do? Likely, you will likely spend your life in pursuit of intimacy in whatever form you can find. And even if you moved out years ago, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you've really emotionally never left the house. And you're bound to reproduce some of this again, unless you forgive. Because when our parents hurt us, I think instinctively we feel like orphans. They've let us down. And how do you break that cycle? How do you get beyond that? And, you know, and here in the scriptures, it actually tells us we have a heavenly father. We have a father who says this cycle doesn't have to continue in your family, in your life. It doesn't have to become a generational sin. It is not going to be so with you. And he says, you find that life in me. And God, our Father, says, you know, your parents will always disappoint you in some capacity. I'm always going to disappoint my daughter in some way. I will fall short. You will fall short. Our parents have fallen short. But we have this knowledge that our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. And he gives us the ability and the strength to begin to forgive. You know, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a parable of a son who not only dishonored his father, but actually we'd go further along and say he actually disgraced his father. He publicly said, I wish he was dead. But the young man found himself in desperate circumstances and finally decides to return home, knowing that he was undeserving, knowing he was unworthy, to be called a son, and surely, maybe one of the most beautiful phrases in all of literature ever written now, it says, while he was yet a long way off, the father saw him and ran and embraced him before he heard one word of, will you forgive me? And our Lord Jesus is saying, this is the heart of God. The father's heart is not angry bitter or vindictive, but it is forgiving. He doesn't tire of you. Do you understand that? 
And he's saying, come to me. Never live like an orphan because my love is here for you. You know, one of the reasons our parents disappoint us because there is some deep ingrained sense that it should and always should be better than it was. And that's true. And when that happens, we often feel like orphans, that we weren't loved or supported or cared for. But when we begin to understand the gospel and understand God is our father, the one who brought us out of bondage, the one who was giving up his one and only son in order to say, I want you with me in my family. I want you at this table with me. We're able to begin to see that's exactly what our parents need. We can free them from the burden of being perfect parents. We're able to forgive just as God has forgiven us. Because we begin to see that we have a father who frees us and has satisfied all of our deepest longings. You see, when, when that begins to click for us, honor your father and your mother takes on a different lens. And we can begin to do this even when they failed us. Think about that this week. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are our perfect heavenly Father who tells us we're no longer orphans but sons and daughters of yours. And as we reflect on what you give us through your son, Jesus Christ, and how we've been adopted into your family, it frees us to honor our earthly parents as you have called us to, that we would do this to serve you, to love one another, and in order to find a path to actually experience the freedom and the joy and the blessing that you want us to have in our families. Father, give us the courage to be able to forgive. You give us um, a freedom to be able to think about our parents more than we probably do. For those of us young in here, give us uh, the discipline to let go of our wills as well and to obey when we don't feel like we should or need to. But Lord, train us to love you because we know this is the path to life And that's what you want to give us. And we thank you again. And we pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.